Good morning, everybody. It's Jeff Goldberg for the Sales Pro Network here on another Friday. Today is, let me look at my calendar, it's February 4th. Wow. First, I want to say welcome. Thank you for being here today. And it's a short month. February only has 28 days. This is not a leap year, is it? Nope. So make sure that you're pushing hard every day to make your quotas. I founded the Sales Pro Network, as many of you know, to elevate the profession of sales and to help put more money in your pocket. I am a sales coach and trainer, and I work with both individuals and organizations to help them get measurable and sustainable sales increases, and that's my goal to help you too. And as you probably know, every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern, we either do a live training or a live interview with people who can add value to the profession of sales. And once again, today is no exception. Uh, I often introduce our guests, uh, and today we've got guests, as a new friend. But today, I've got three who all happen to be old friends, not old people, but people who I've known and trust implicitly for uh, Rich, maybe a little bit. So it's my pleasure to welcome Rich Atkins from Improving Communications, Mitch Tobel from CGT Marketing, and Beth Granger. What's the name of your company, Beth? Very, very creative, Beth Granger Consulting. That's what I thought, Beth Granger mm -hmm. Consulting. Uh, good morning, Joe Pontius. Fran Cole Hebler down in Texas. I'm happy to see you here today. I know it's freezing cold down in Texas. I hope your power stays on. If you are watching us live, please please do put a comment in and say hello. If you have not connected your Facebook account to StreamYard, we won't know who you are unless you put your name in there. So if you're not connected, please put, if you're going to put a hello, please put your name in there. And if you're watching this on the replay, please put replay in the comments so that we can know who watched us later on. Let's take just 30 seconds each so you can introduce yourselves and say what you do, because today's program is about what you shouldn't do to market yourself in 2022 and really... I do have three experts for you. Rich, would you just take 30 seconds to introduce yourself and say what you do? Sure. Improving Communications located in New York, London, and Dublin. Uh, we do trainings in business writing, public speaking, customer service, leadership, negotiation, and human resources, among others. Fantastic. And I was about to say I've shared a stage more than once with Rich, but I just realized I've shared a stage with all these people more than once. Beth Granger, would you take a moment and introduce yourself, please? Sure thing. I'm a trainer, consultant, and speaker on the topic of unleashing the power of LinkedIn. And? And a leader of a networking council called American Business Associates. Absolutely. I would not leave that one out, Beth. You're fantastic at that. Mitch, Mitchy? Yes, Jeffy. Uh, Mitch Tobel, uh, owner, managing partner, or the guy at uh, CGT Marketing, where intelligent marketing meets profitable results. We sell about 25 different marketing services, but what's most important is that marketing meets your business goals. So everything that we do is focused on the businesses that we represent and service. And a large part of what you do is social media. Yes, Mitch? Yeah. A matter of fact, I would say out of our business, probably 90% is digital. Not just social media, but digital, because every company has a digital footprint. So you have to be conscious of that. And uh, that's something that is going to be really not to do is not to do that. <laughs> Perfect. Could be Perfect. Good morning, Steve Kent. Always good to see you. Ben Gibbs. Happy you're here. And Robin Long, you found us. I know you about an hour ago, you said you couldn't find the stream. That's because we just started. So let's get, let's dive right in. Um, one, you know, marketing, part of pros marketing is prospecting for new business. Um, what should you not do when you're making an initial contact? And what's the best medium, in your opinion, to make a contact with a prospect, either cold or warm? Is it email? Is it text? Is it, uh, this is actually a question that Rich came up with. Is it smoke signal? So let's start with you, Rich, since this was your question. Uh, well, what good. is the best way and what you should, what should you not do in an initial reach out? I'd say smoke signals are out. 
we can start with that. But um, this, the reason this thing came about was I, I sent a screen capture of a series of texts that I had with someone, and the text came into my phone number. It said, is this Rich? Answer is, who is this? Is this still Rich's phone number? Again, who is this? And finally, I got a paragraph after that of, we're presenting this thing, and we want to and I wrote back with two words, and they weren't happy birthday. And uh, the reason for that is, I th and, and I scolded the guy later because he came back with, well, I guess you're not the type of person we want. And I said, don't be sneaky. Don't create a, a, an air of familiarity. Like, is this rich? Well, yeah, of course it's rich. Hey, who's this? Oh, it's your old friend, Billy. No, it's someone who wants to try to sell something to you. And right away, as soon as I, I smell that, my defenses are up. And I'd probably go out of my way to do business with someone who charges more for that same service because you cho you, you went the sneaky route. That's at least one thing. So don't be sneaky. Got it. Uh, panel, if you had turned on your speakers as low as you can and still here, because I think we're getting some feedback just a little bit. I'm not sure, but uh, I want to make sure the audience hears, hears every word that you say. And by the way, good morning, Keith Ginsburg, who said, wow, Jeff, how did you line up the A-team of talent? I just happen to know a lot of great people. Beth, would you like to comment on that same question? What should we not do in an initial contact and what do you feel the best medium is? So the best medium is getting an introduction, but um, not do the connect and pitch in any situation. So in person, don't start selling immediately. You haven't earned that right. Um, online, same thing. Yeah, I, I was hoping you would say that because, you know, that's a passion of mine. I, I despise when uh, I, I get connection requests, which I get every day. And then I accept the request because I want a wide audience for my content. And the next thing you know, Jeff, can I please have a few moments of your time to explain to you how I help coaches like you get 10,000 leads a day with no cost and no time invested at all? Yeah, if you could really do that, I'd love to talk to you, except how about buying me a drink first? How about saying hello and getting to know me first? I hate that. Mitch, you're already laughing. Anything to add on that one? Uh, sure. Uh, you know, since I'm the marketing guy, but uh, uh, sales process and marketing has so altered so much over the past two years where everything is a digital play. So I have a phrase uh, because, you know, marketing people generally have phrases that uh, the initial prospecting needs to be about interactions, not transactions. You know, Beth brought up networking as you did, Jeff. Networking is wonderful. What do you do? You go in, you meet somebody, you ask them to marry you. No, you have to date first. It's the same thing with communicating and marketing. Your initial step should be all about awareness and interacting and engaging. Then you bring them down the funnel. Because right now, most of the populace and most of the prospects in B2B or B2C, whichever marketplace that you're going to, they don't want to speak to salespeople in the initial stages. No one really wants to talk to them. So that's why live chat is, is so big. That's why um, your website needs to function so well. So how not to market is to approach it from a transactional standpoint, which, Jeff, you just mentioned. I get solicited all day on LinkedIn. And you know as soon as you click yes, you're going to get the pitch. Mm -hmm. Who wants that? No one wants that, right? The best is to treat your marketplace as if you were networking with them. So it's all about interactions. And as I say, it's like everybody needs to drive down the avenue. Add value every time. You gotta be on the avenue. 
You got to think that way in your marketing communications and in the sales process. Look, sales and marketing needs to be totally integrated more so than ever before. Everybody needs to be on that page. Wow. So, so that's probably why the, uh, the bots, the, the AI, you know, that pops up on a website says, can I help you? That's so popular because they don't have to deal with somebody like any of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, you know, it's interesting. I just got into an involved conversation with a client. We're building a site for them. And I said, you know, uh, live chat would be great, but we're not doing it unless you have operationally the people who can stand behind it. Well, what if we use a bot? I said, do you like bots? Does anybody here like bots? Anybody on watching us like bots? I don't think so. We like the human touch. So, um, you know, we had a very long discussion because it, it's an operational issue, not a technological issue. So it's it's uh, real important. Yeah, I, I I love technology, but some of it just does not work and actually pisses me off. Uh, I can't remember. I think it was, uh, uh, as I, I know you guys know, one of the things I offer is outsource sales management. And right now I'm managing four different sales teams at four different companies and working on different projects for each of them. And uh, one of them I was reaching out to, I think their CRM system to get answers to a question. And it's a bot, you know, type in your question. I type in the question. It gives me a completely unrelated answer. Do you mm -hmm. need more help? Yes, I need your help. You're not answering my question. And after about two or three interactions, I'm like, I'm wasting my time here. So mm -hmm. I think there's a plus and a minus. Uh, th there is no replacement for a live human being, but mm -hmm. we have to act in the right way. We have to come from, I'm here to serve you. And that's, I think, in any outreach or any interaction, we, mm -hmm. we need to be coming from a place of service as, a pl as opposed to a place of desperation, which so many uh, salespeople have. Uh, I, I call it com having commission breath. Prospects can smell commission breath and they hate that because they don't care about our need to earn money. What they care about is them. So we really need to be speaking to that. Mm. Can I add something, Jeff, to the what you were talking about, the bots? I think Me the too. key is, and it connects to what Rich said, it's not being sneaky. So when something is an automated thing, let people know it is. Hey, this is your automated assistant. If you want a real human, type human or something mm. to that effect. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Keith Ginsburg says bots for cleaning carpets and floors. I'm not sure if they have that. And Robin Long agrees. It's very frustrating. Yeah, it can be horrible. Yes, there's Roomba. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh yeah, absolutely right. Uh, you know, sometimes you guys know I do stand-up comedy on the side. Sometimes I just don't get the joke. Rich, Rich wrote something to me yesterday about uh, what was it about Massapequa, Rich? Oh, uh, I, I, matzo pizza. We've heard that. Yeah, Which, yeah we were right. meeting at a restaurant in Massapequa, and he wrote, "I'll see you in matzo pizza." And I'm like, "Sorry, I'm not getting the reference." Duh. <laughs> well, what about growing up in Long Island or failing to grow up in Long Island? Well, I grew up in Chicago, so maybe that's it. Um, what, what about content? Um, how should you come across in your initial contact? Do, do we want to be we brash and bold? Do we want to be respectful and humble? Should we be bowing down? How should we be coming across in that initial outreach? Let's start with you, Mitch. Okay. Um, initial outreach. So from a marketing standpoint, uh, that has to be pre-decided, right? Marketing not only is a visual medium, but it's a, because it's all copy now, the tone of the copy has to represent the brand. So um, that all stems from a, and here's what not to do in marketing, is not truly understanding your audience. Know who they are, the behaviors, the type of person they are beyond the demographics. You need psychographics. Are they high income earners, right? Do they get pissed off at bots? I mean, you need all that information. So once you have that, then you create a brand in 
the quality and tonality of all the copy. So your question is is incredibly on point because should you be pushy? Should you be fun? Should you be irreverent? Should you be sarcastic? That goes to the culture of the company, how it represents the brand of the company, how it should be positioned in the marketplace. And then finally, the actual company itself, what industry it's in. Now, you could take a lot more risks when you're an Oreo, right? I mean, Oreo does a wonderful job in social because they don't care. They can be fun. They, everybody knows what Oreo is. But if you're a industrial manufacturer of hyperboloid connectors, not so much. You know, you're talking to engineers, even though engineers have a sense of humor, you can be light. You need a level of seriousness in the copy. So the tone of the copy has to be, in my mind, real important. Hmm. Richard Beth, anything to add to that one? Sure. Uh, I'll just echo what Mitch said. Culture is, is everything. I got uh, I got someone applying for a job when I didn't even have one advertised, and her email was so off the wall. It was just so wildly breaking the rules. So many of the, the business writing formality rules I had, I said, I've got to find out more. That person went on to work for me for about three years. She was good. She she had she had a, a good approach, a good attitude uh, at the time, and it, it was just the right fit. And it was so funny that that's the thing that engaged me in that moment. You look at a JetBlue; they're fun, and their whole idea is we want a fun uh, a fun business adventure together, and we want to get you where you want to go and enjoy it at the same time. You don't see that if you look at the other airlines, not so much. Insurance, look at their messages. And you start to see we're all trying to be fun. We're all trying to be zany and goofy. So I think, as, as Mitch said, audience awareness is key. The more you know about your audience, the more empowered you are, and the better you can say things to them that will reflect their values, their interests, their goals. It's interesting that you point that out with insurance, because I know every time I see the um, Liberty Mutual commercial with the EMU, it's right. funny. I'm not looking for a funny insurance company. I want my insurance company to be solid and be there when I need them. If they're going to be taking my money every month on the on the off chance that I eventually need them, I want solidity. I I, I want I want to know that they're going to be there. An emu that doesn't do it for me. It's it's cute, uh, but doesn't do it for me. It doesn't um, do it for a lot of people, by the way. Yeah, the, yeah it doesn't the, do it for my own, by the way, because every time he sees the emu, he goes barking at the uh, at the TV. Well, the path that the insurance companies are going down is because of the impact of the money that was put behind Ge the Geico, the Gecko Geico, right? They established that an animal figure could be an effective spokesperson, but all these other companies are not getting it. In my mind, it's um, the emu is off, is off. Yeah, or the Aflac duck. That's a great one. I mean, anytime I meet somebody from Aflac, I, I immediately go quack quack. I mean, it's brilliant. That's brilliant marketing, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, but what do they do? They're an insurance nice. company. I, I mean, I happen to know what they do. They 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 offer supplemental insurance, uh, uh, right. and they and they're actually right. very inexpensive and great coverage. I think everybody should have it. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I don't know if they're clear enough with that. Uh, mm -hmm. You said something else though. Um, how important is it to? Uh, should we be trying to look like everybody else, or sh should we, uh, or at least should we be following leaders in the field? And the, the the person that comes to mind for me is Gary V. Gary Vaynerchuk. The guys brilliant at marketing himself, but he's off the wall. He certainly speaks his mind. He dresses the way he wants to dress. He uses foul language. I mean, should, he's amazingly successful. Should we all be trying to do that? Or do how important is it for us to be our authentic self as opposed to the, the way we 
think people should want to see us. Beth? Um, I'll start with that. And I think it there may be a difference when it's an individual versus a brand. So as an individual, I think you should be yourself. As a brand, you have to decide what that is. And everybody should be communicating in that way. So if the brand decides they're irreverent and funny and whatever, then all the communication should be that way. But if they want to be kind of the example you gave with insurance, if they want to be seen as rock solid and whatever, then they're going to communicate that way. Rich? I had to go look at our values that I have posted there. I remember when we created them, I hemmed and hawed, should fun be one of them? It is. And uh, and at the same time, directness. So I had someone when I was uh, creating the website, by the way, just to touch something Mitch said before and, and Beth as well, a website should get someone to the information that he or she wants as quickly as possible. Same thing with, with phone tree menus, all of that stuff that make us crazy. But going back to, to values, uh, I wanted to... I wanted to make sure that what we were doing reflected our values. Uh, and, and so that's being authentic and fun and irreverent is definitely part of it. At the same time, the other people who work in the company have to find where they belong in that. Correctness is a big part of it. And I had a marketing guy come to me 20 years ago and say, you need more sexy titles for your courses, effective business writing. That's not sexy enough. Writing like a superstar. And then I went to someone else who said, no, that's not you. You're, you're into accuracy. You're into being plain and being clear. And that's not what you should be doing. That resonated with me. Hmm. Mitch? Um, so I have a lot of thoughts on this. I'll keep it brief. No, you don't have to. <laughs> I'm always fit. And I, uh, I'll, you're my go-to guy for marketing, Mitch. And we, yeah, you don't have to keep it brief with me. I love every word you say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. So uh, Beth is right. If it's an individual marketing their own brand, well, first of all, the culture of our digital ecosphere is one of authenticity and transparency. Whether you're a brand or an individual, if you're not being real and authentic, true to the company, its culture, its brand, its mission, true to yourself if you're an individual, if you're a solopreneur, if you're not true to that, people will find you out. They won't follow you. They won't interact. They won't look at you as a resource. So. I would say authenticity is like a number one thing. And that's my, you know, I jotted down some ideas how not to market. Not being authentic is one of them, right? So uh, I very much, when we take on a client, I very much want to understand the culture that's behind the brand because the culture in the company represents the brand. Every single touch point, a phone call, a post, an email, someone talking to you about that company represents and some total the brand. It all needs to be coordinated and all authentic. So getting just to touch a little bit on that authenticity, what we've seen over the past two years is that brands with a purpose are doing way better than brands without a purpose. And by purpose, I mean is helping community, being we love dogs, right? like Tito's Vodka. You know, they're into dogs, right? So um, brands with a purpose, but you can't construct it. You have to believe in it. And it really has to connect, although I don't think dogs drink vodka, but I'm not sure. But uh, it really has to connect with the brand. So um, we're always instructing our clients. Uh, you know, I love it like this brand new uh, client. They invest in education. 
it's a means to an end because it'll drive the students to their products when they graduate. But really, it's uh, incredible the amount of money they're investing in educating people in this industry. I said, this is beautiful. I don't. We don't have to create anything. You're a brand with a purpose. So uh, purposeful brands, being authentic is um, really, really, really important. I said it three times. That means it's real. It's, it's <laughs> is it really important, Mitch? No, really, really, really important. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it's funny when you just said that about Tito's. Uh, so I keep Tito's in the house. I don't drink it in a martini, but, uh, you know, to mix, that's it's great. Uh, and when, when you said they like dogs, which I didn't know, I immediate, I had an immediate reaction because I'm a dog freak. I love dogs beyond belief. I think they're the greatest thing on the planet. It mm. made me want to go drink some uh, some uh, Tito's. Of course, uh, I'm guessing that uh, I can't see the name here, but I'm guessing this is uh, my friend Paul who says he loves these discussions almost almost as much as Classy Azul, which is just this incredibly delicious tequila. And this is probably him too saying his, his dogs prefer tequila. Oh, okay. I, I looked around to see if my dog was awake. I was going to pick him up and show him to you. Uh, I'm actually thinking, I, I, you guys know, I'm about to go into a studio and shoot some vi some sales training videos. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm going to use my dog as part of the marketing uh, because that is who I am. Mm -hmm. So uh, so authenticity is key. What about, um, what are some common mistakes to watch out for before picking up a phone and dialing or hitting send? Uh, especially what, what, what preventable mistakes, what, what, what things should we, should we watch out for? Rich, you want to take that one first? Sure. Uh, I've had people call and I, I wish I could remember the details of the call, but it was something like they, they pitched something to me on the phone and I said, Oh, do you know what we do here? You know, maybe they were pitching training service. I think it might've been that they were pitching training services. I said, Oh, do you know what we do? Well, you're uh, improving communications LLC, which means they're reading from a web page somewhere. And I said, ah, and these are the words I've used. I said, so you've done no pre-approach research on us before calling me, have you? Or, or also they'll call and they'll say, hi, may I speak to the director of human resources? Have you done any research before calling? Because of course we don't collect connect people here by title. We connect them by name. It's a four person company, but uh, you know, so, so when this happens, I'll say, so you've done no research on us before contacting us. Uh, no, I haven't. Great. Do some research and call us back. Click. Yeah. That's a big mistake is I have no concept. Again, audience awareness. Have you done any research? Have you, have you even bothered to try to play detective or are you just throwing spaghetti against the wall, against the wall to see if it sticks? Yeah. That, that pisses me off. I, I've gotten calls. We do sales training. Really? Do you know what I do? No. What do you do? I'm a sales trainer. <laughs> or, or the one that, that really gets me is, is when they're clearly using a deceptive practice. Uh, and, and I mentioned this to you last night at, at dinner, Rich. Um, I, I, I got a call one time. Hi, uh, I'm calling from your copier company. Oh, okay. Um, can you go take a look at your machine and tell us which one you have? And my answer was, if you're my copier company, don't you know which one you sold me? And by the way, I bought it at Staples, so I don't think you're my copier company. Uh, I, I hate that deceptive stuff. Mitch, mm -hmm. anything to add to that one? What, what should people watch out for? Easily preventable errors when they're marketing. So, yeah, from a marketing standpoint, I, I, won't, I won't touch on the sales because we have sales experts here. But from a marketing standpoint, it's not personalizing your communications. We live in an era of, of incredible technology. You know, why someone doesn't personalize an email, even if it's a bulk send, 
You have the availability for dynamic content. I mean, even websites. I don't know if you know this, but websites can be dynamic. We could we construct websites that someone from a company comes on it and it says, "Hey, Jeff Goldberg, we have pro marketing programs for sales trainers." You know, it identifies people. So, the biggest mistake is not personalizing your marketing. It's ridiculous. You you, you can design a website that knows my name when I when I click on the website. Yeah. Mitch, we need to talk. My website's not doing that. And you, you designed it. So that's, I mean, that's, that's awesome. Cause I, I, mm -hmm. I, I often tell salespeople there's almost nothing that sounds better to people than the sound of their own name. Mm -hmm. Well, here's the thing is that the technology is fabulous, but right now the cost of that technology really works for companies that are mid to large size enterprises. No offense. And by the way, if I knew it would work for you, I would have suggested it for you. I'm sure you would. And Mitch, audience, Mitch knows me very well. He knows I'm not about to spend 10 million bucks to, just to say somebody's name. But I no, love it's actually idea. less than 10 million. It's only 800, 8 million. Seven, no. Fair enough. <laughs> any, mistakes, any mistakes to watch out for? Any mistakes you to watch out for about oh. when, when, when marketing? Um, so many. Where to begin? Um, I think some of the things we already talked about, but other things are really the being too salesy too soon. It's it's all the same thing we're talking about over and over. It's building a relationship, some kind of relationship first before getting into the sales pitch. Although I have to say, I did once get an outreach that made me laugh. It was so well written. It It acknowledged, it said, hey, yes, this is a sales pitch. And it was just so perfectly written that I did respond to it. Mm, got it. Let's see. Uh, I'm guessing this is Larry, the phone guy, uh, who says, I sell phone service and I get cold calls all the time about reducing my phone bill. Uh, oh, yeah. We all get that, says, right? Somebody said, also says the website can be geographically located to make your company seem as a local company because of the telephone number associated mm -hmm. where the person is coming from. Mm -hmm. And apparently, Dennis Lombardi's dogs prefer tequila. Okay, good. That's a drink among dogs this morning. You know what? I'll have to call Casamigos and tell them, you know what? You're missing out. Uh, I got to tell you something, Mitch. I, I don't want to take take too much time, but I, I've had talk Casamigos. It's good, but this Classe Azul, uh, it, Paulie Schmidt, I curse you every day. I'm sure that was you who were, who were commenting there. I curse you every day for introducing me to this tequila. It's just too good and too expensive, but it's fantastic. I'll have uh, to Cla try it. Oh, yes, you do, my friend. Uh, we, we, we should have a, an in-person ABA meeting and do some tasting of, of that tequila. It's beyond I'm in. I'm in. You, you, you've probably seen the bottle. It's stunningly beautiful. It's, it's a work of art. Um, let, let's, let's, since, Beth, you went last, let's talk about your area of expertise, LinkedIn. What are maybe the top three things to not do on LinkedIn that can really damage your reputation? What's so funny about that is I, I have a webinar that I do nine LinkedIn landmines. So the things to avoid. And you've all had it happen, right? We already talked about the connect and pitch. That's, I think, the one that most people hate the most. Some of the others are a little more subtle, but it's all about would you do this behavior if you were with someone in person? So some of the things that I personally think just don't do it. One is indiscriminate mentioning or tagging. So you can mention somebody and they'll get a notification. And when you do, you're hoping that they're going to respond and engage with your content. Well, I met somebody in person at an event. 
he started tagging me on every single post he did. It could have been, I learned how to change a tire and he was tagging me. Well, that's just trying to use my social capital or get my attention and it's wrong. So tag people when it's appropriate, right? You were having a conversation or, or if I do a post about this, this event that we did today, it would make sense to tag the three of you. And I would say third one, which which of the nine? Um, all right, this is also very subtle, but it just sounds weird. Your about section, where so where you're talking about yourself, put it in first person. I don't want to come to someone's page and it be and it's as if someone else wrote it. If it said Mitch Topol is the best marketing guy ever, no, they know you wrote it. Use I, and I know people are uncomfortable with that, but you can use I but still have it be about the person who's reading it. Mm, I love that about that because it's a chance to speak directly to your audience. And I, I personally, any, anybody who's going to sell me something, I'm checking out their LinkedIn profile before I get on the phone with them or, or a Zoom call. I mean, it, it, it's just this great resource to do that. And by the way, the same thing happens on, on Facebook. I, I'm constantly getting people that I have to approve something that they want to put on my profile. No, I'm not posting your stuff on my profile unless it, unless it's something cute about a dog, maybe, but uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, ask me, ask me first before you want to use, like you said, my, my social capital. Yeah. Rich or my, Mitch, anything to add on that one? Yeah, I've been getting emails le lately that are addressed to hello, comma, dear, comma. I guess I'm referred to as dear by some people, which is great. People I don't even know. You live of in course. Deer Park? I, I was going to say that's probably somebody who doesn't know you. I don't think I, I would call you many things, but never dear. Aww. Talented, uh, sweet. So these, you know, as, as has been said before, lack of personalization, lack of care, just pray and spray and pray. See what happens. Uh, that's that's a huge mistake. Another huge mistake to make is lack of mistakes, errors, things to avoid. When I see someone. Um, Someone write the word till instead of until. We'll be open till five. And I read that and I think, do you know who we are? Like we're improving communications. We teach this stuff. I get it. I understand colloquial speech. I understand slang, jargon, familiar speech. But if you're making an initial contact and you've taken shortcuts in writing and you're writing to us, that's not going to go well. If you're applying for a job, you've got mistakes in your resume, punctuation errors, things like that. Uh, when I'm at a presentation, Jeff, I was telling Jeff about this last night. I went to a presentation and the presenter, it was on verbal judo. The guy spent 40 minutes, the first 40 minutes of the presentation, complaining that he didn't have enough time to give us the whole program, that it was only an hour. And that it, we were only getting a sliver of a slice of the program because he was so challenged. And, and I'm looking and it's 40 minutes in. And I'm like, when is this guy getting? He finally gave us, I think, two actionable items. And so giving value, as people have said before, and building a relationship. There's one more instance I want to tell you about. In the past, I don't know, 15 or so years, we've gotten a lot involved with stadiums multi-purpose venues, theaters, etc. Venues of all different kinds. So I joined a venue management association. And instead of going in there with my tongue hanging out, handing out business cards, I got involved in service. 
I'm on the committee for the Super Regional in Portland, Maine. We're on the Educational Committee. I'm helping organize events with them. They all know me. They all know me. They know what I do. I give them free seats to public classes whenever something comes up. But, you know, if someone hits me up and says, hey, Rich, can you help us with such and such? That'll, it'll seem like I'm surprised. Oh, wow, I didn't, oh, this is great. Sure, I didn't expect you to call. This is fantastic. Sure, we can help. Instead of, hey, so-and-so on the education committee, do you want to buy our stuff? No, I'm there to be of service. I want them to see that. And by the way, one more thing about being of service. In any setting like this, I try to make it visible service. More, the more people who see what I'm doing, the more people may check me out. Yeah, and you work with some incredibly large venues. I mean, I know you work with the Barclay Center, Madison Square Garden, places like that. And, uh, you know, you, you know you're speaking my language when you talk about misspellings. Uh, as an outsourced sales manager, I see a lot of resumes. You've got one comma out of place, one grammar or punctuation mistake. I'm cutting you off immediately. If you can't get your resume right, that's, I mean, your resume is marketing, isn't it, Mitch? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I'm, I'm smiling because, uh, you know, we hire people, but one of the components is you have to be able to write. So uh, we get sent uh, people's resumes with the cover letters and I open them up on Word. And Word is telling me that there are misspellings in the document. There are green underlines. Hello. So out the door. Sorry. And not even, I don't even read it. I don't bother. They could be the most amazing person in the world, but I'm sorry. That's just sloppy. You know, that's, yeah, my, my that's feeling unacceptable. Is you can't get your... Unacceptable. Yeah. Unacceptable. Yeah. My favorite is your and your. Mm. <laughs> you, you, you're all speaking my language, Beth. That's actually on my online dating profile. If you don't know the difference between your and your there, there, and there, Mary, Mary, and Mary, I, then I, I don't have the time for you. Uh, it, it, and I, I, yeah, I'm a little bit picky that way, Mitch. And look, I, I know that you know, I may be cutting people off, both their resumes. That there could be a great person that just can't spell perfectly. Yeah. But I, 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 my personal thing is, if you can't take the time to get it right, uh, that then you're probably not going to get it right if I hire you and put you in front of customers. Mm. Right. How, how can I trust you? Um, what happens? What happens with that? People write it off with the one-word story. They're looking at the resume and they go. Oh, careless, oh, sloppy, no attention. You're you're done with a one-word story, mm -hmm. and as you say, you could be the most brilliant salesperson, trainer, etc., in the world, mm -hmm. and you you miss you miss the opportunity. I was told once during a job interview, this is when I was younger, that I couldn't get the job because my schedule was too erotic. And I I looked at my interview and I erotic. And I said, "What do you know about me that I don't know?" <laughs> You have an erotic schedule. That's great. Robin Long says she sees a lot frequently. Yeah. yeah, it's it's amazing because in this digital universe we live in, you have to be able to write and write accurately. Mm. And there are tools to help if, if people need that, you know, Grammarly yeah. and all those things. Yeah. So. yeah. I mean, look, don't most of us use Word for documents? I mean, it, it tells you when there's a mistake. How could you possibly put something on your resume knowing there's a red or a green line on there? It just that's what kill, That's what kills me. Yeah, well, if they have that head. turned off, if they have that feature turned off, they're not going to see it. Mm -hmm. Yep. And it does uh, become it does become rather an annoyance if, for instance, you're using a brand name and it keeps on coming up. And it's like I want to stop seeing that. Uh, well, you could train Word to accept it. By the way, true. 
Yeah. What about besides spelling mistakes and grammar mistakes? I, 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 don't, I don't want to focus exclusively on LinkedIn, but I'm a big fan of it. In your LinkedIn profile, which I think is just crucial, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not an expert like any of you in dealing with the profile. But when I start working with salespeople in a company or with my coaching clients, one of the first things that I do is that let's take a look at your profile. And again, I'm not an expert, there's, but there seem to be some very simple things that you can do. For example, have a professional headshot. Uh, or, or at least a good picture. Uh, you know, you want to hold up a fish on Facebook, that's great, but LinkedIn's not the place for that. What are some of the other things that we should be aware of that when marketing ourselves and our profile? Beth, let's start with you. Sure. Well, you, you said the, the photo. I mean, there are some really funny ones. You have somebody's arm cut off from like they were at a group function or whatever. Um, I mean, you can just take a Zoom photo, screenshot it, something like that. It doesn't have to necessarily be a professional photographer, although, of course, that's better. Um, every, every field, everywhere that you're writing somebody, something is your opportunity to present your best self. So your headline, will it make people understand what you do and want to have a conversation with you without being pushy and salesy and inauthentic? Your about section, every single section is a chance to say what you do, show what you do. So using all the features in real estate to me is really important. They give you, for instance, the featured section. Do people even know that exists? And one of the newer features, two, two features actually that I really love, the name pronunciation ability. If you have a name that's hard to pronounce, put the pronunciation in there. It'll help people as they engage with you. And then the cover story, which is a 30 second video that lives behind your photo, kind of like a Harry Potter, um, Painting, when you come, it, it moves and you click on it. There's nothing better than seeing somebody and hearing somebody. So those are some of the places to make sure you get it right. Right. And Mitch, anything else? Uh, I know you, you're big on LinkedIn also. Anything we should be aware of making mistakes in our profile? So I've seen a lot of this where people treat their profile as a company page, which is a total mistake. LinkedIn is designed to be networking on steroids, and it's all about the person, not the company. Yeah. So, um, you know, you need to focus on, on yourself. You can share posts from the, your own business page and you could add information, but the profile needs to be about you. I would also say that testimonials are a very big area. Also, it shows a lot about you. For instance, uh, salespeople, which I recommend, go to LinkedIn before any phone call, anybody they're going to, to learn and find out any commonality. Same thing goes for you. What you put on your profile speaks about who you are, the groups you belong to, the interests. So I think that's, um, you know, just I'm not going to repeat Beth's, which, you know, to me is spot on. You know, the headline is just the most critical piece of the whole thing. But that's what I would I would think about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I put a lot of emphasis on the recommendation section, mm -hmm. but very little on the uh, skills and endorsement section. Uh, and the reason I don't care about that one is because I know people endorse me and for my skills every day, and I have no idea who they are. And my assumption is they think that if they endorse me, I'm going to endorse them back, which I'm not. Mm -hmm. But when somebody takes the time to write out a recommendation for you, that means something to me. Now, of course, nobody's going to post any bad recommendations. I'm only, it's like asking somebody for references. Do you think I'm going to give you bad references? Yeah. Let, let me hook you up with some of the clients who hate me and sued me. Not, not that I have any of those, but you know, if I did, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, I, I read those recommendations, skills and endorsements, 
do, we, do you disagree, Mitch? Uh, well, here's the thing. Skills and endorsements actually factor into the search parameters for LinkedIn. LinkedIn is actually scanning those skills and endorsements when people put in search terms. So the skills and endorsements section, you should look at it and just X out stuff that's inappropriate for you, which you have the availability to. You can't stop people from recommending you. And actually, LinkedIn used to have a very uh, heavy algorithm getting people to endorse other people for skills, which they've stopped. So uh, it's something to look at, not spend a lot of time. I'm sorry, Beth. Did you sorry, want to... I was going to say, you can actually, because there are certain industries that aren't allowed to endorse or be endorsed, you can actually turn that section off. Mm -hmm. um, but depending on what your goals are, if you're looking for a job, for instance, absolutely, you want that section. Um, the way I use it, I, I always try to figure out like a little bit of a detective, how to use the features that they give us, even if I think they're not the best necessarily. So for me, an endorsement, I use it as a, almost like a like, a, a mini, or it's a recommendation light. So somebody gives me an introduction or a referral, I will go and endorse them for something I know that they can do. And that part's key because I know somebody who used to go around and endorse people for fly fishing just for fun. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not sure that people really know how easy it is to get recommendations. Uh, you can, anybody, who, I think it's only a first level connection. You can go to them and request a recommendation or the other method is when you recommend somebody else, they'll tend to probably want to do the same for you. Is there some other way that uh, we should be using that niche, Rich? My favorite thing to do, because sometimes people aren't sure about asking for recommendations and they don't know if the people know how to do it technically on LinkedIn. When someone's saying thank you, that's the perfect time because they want to do something for you. They're happy with your work. And that's the great time to say, I love what you just said. I, I was pleased to do the work. Would you be open to writing that as a recommendation for me on my profile? And 99.9% .9 of the time, they're going to say yes. Brilliant. Yeah, I, I posted recently that I was down in Atlanta giving a motivational talk. I was really excited about it and it went very, very well. And I posted that afterwards. And uh, Mark Helper, who you guys might know, he's another LinkedIn uh, expert. He wrote to me, goes, did you ask them for a LinkedIn recommendation? I'm like, uh-huh, no, I didn't. But you can bet that I immediately reached out to the vice president of sales who, after the event, came to me and said, Jeff, this exceeded my expectations. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I got to find more money in the budget to bring you back. And it didn't occur to me naturally. Oh, can you say that on LinkedIn? That'd be terrific. So, yeah. I put it in my speaking contracts. Do you? I don't, know, I don't always do it, but it's one of the testimonial. When pleased with my work, you will provide uh, a written and and or video testimonial. Love that. Now, do I always remember to go back and do it? Not necessarily, but do as I say, not as I do. Um, Rich, um, I find that many marketing approaches, they focus on me. I can do this. I want you to do, I want to do that. I want to meet with you. Uh, this seems to me to not be the best way to market yourself. It, any thoughts on that? Value number six at Improving Communications. It's on our website. The trademark term, you before me. It's the letter U, capital B, the number four, and me, in lowercase. You before me. I like that. So if I think you do really well with this class. First of all, I think just weakened your position. You would do really well with this class because it'll help you to achieve the goals you want to achieve in terms of writing, public speaking, sales, customer service, whatever. So if I'm focused on you, the best salespeople are you focused. 
The worst salespeople are I, me, my focused. So the, the, the best approach here is drop the I, me, my, we, we when, when clearly we're referring to our side instead of we as a partnership here in terms of consultative selling. But if I'm focused on you, and all I have to do is turn my I statements around. I love this class. You love this class. Take, take the I and focus on you. Focus on the other person. It's all about the customer. We know that. And in customer service, it's all about the guest. So yeah. those people who are focused on, on the audience, focused on what they're going to get, focused on the benefits they're going to get, there's the win. Yeah, I mean, mine may, may be a great Beatles song, and it is, but it's it's it can't be in our, our marketing and certainly not in our sales. Um, uh, one of the pieces of advice I'm always giving to salespeople is take the word I out of your emails as much as you possibly can. Mm. The prospect doesn't care about you. The prospect cares about one thing themselves. In, in sales, there's an old saying, the WIFM, W-I-I-F-M, what's in it for me? Mm. That's what they care about. They don't I suspect that my very best clients, the ones who've been using me the longest and you know help me take care of my kids and pay my mortgage, I suspect that they would greatly prefer it if I would pay them to let me do my job, which of course I wouldn't do, but they care about them and they should. Uh, Mitch, Beth, anything to add to that about the, the, the take, getting the me out of there? Well, uh, from a marketing standpoint, here's, here's where I start. Is your business a painkiller or a vitamin? If you're, and right now in this, in our environment, you need to be a painkiller. If you're a vitamin, people are not looking for preventive. They're looking to kill pain. Mm -hmm. If they're looking to kill pain, what pains do they have? It's the same thing in a sales process where you're asking high gain questions to understand what the concerns are, what their concerns are, where their pain points are. Once you know the pain points, that it's a matter of creating content that addresses those pain points. For instance, I'll just give you a window into my company, CGT Marketing, right? We do great with industrial manufacturers, uh, dental manufacturers that sell to dentists. What do my prospects want? They want to see that I have expertise in selling to their prospects and marketing to their prospects, not their business. Oh, I can provide you with, uh, you know, multi-layered social media that uh, far exceeds everything else. Yeah, so what? I mean, we all get thousands of emails every day saying, I got the best marketing sauce in the world, right? You know, and they all have square holes that they push everybody through. The point of fact is they don't care. They're, they're callous. They're inundated. So strategically, what our copy direction is taking is that we're going to show, hopefully, and profess an expertise in how to market to their target market, segment our lists, personalize our communications, and show them how we are experts in marketing to their target market because that's what their concerns are. So it's from an intimate knowledge, know the pain points, know the challenges they need to overcome, and then then it becomes a uh, a great content uh, marketing uh, exercise. Yeah, I, I know. For me, as soon as I see an, an email that says "I'd like to meet with you," I'm <laughs> done. I'm done. I'm done. I don't care what you want. I, of course, you want to meet with me. I've got the money that you want. Or how about, I know you're busy, but. Yes, I yeah, am. I'm busy. Bye. <laughs> LinkedIn connection invites that say, I'm looking to grow my network of insert what you do. I don't care. And thanks yeah. to you, Beth. I now answer those back with really, how, how's that going to help both of us? <laughs> Instead of accepting someone's, uh, someone unknown, 
someone's request, I write back and I say, oh, really? What prompted you to want to connect with me? And usually I don't get an answer, which after two days gets a delete. One more thing. May I ask a question, Jeff? Sure. Uh, robocalls. And Jeff and I talked about this over dinner last night. I was doing business with a property tax reduction company. And one day the phone rang. And remember, a phone call is urgent. Yes, I, in my world, I have to answer the phone. So I answered it. Hello, Improving Communications. Hello, have you filed your tax return, you know, your tax uh, abatement, blah, blah, blah. And it was just a recording yelling at me. And as a result, they sent paper renewals on which I printed out the blog that I wrote about them. Didn't name them because I don't believe in trashing a business. So I didn't name them in the blog, but I wrote, I sent, and I discontinued doing business with them because if you're going to robocall me, nothing says we don't care about you more than calling me with a recording. And as I said, it's one thing with an email. If you send an automated email or a form email that says, dear Rich, please, or just dear customer, please remember to file your whatever, that's fine. A phone call is urgent. It's got to be picked up. And that's where they, I said, okay, we're done. Yeah. And I don't I'm, care I'm if I'm throw something else in another service. It's the point. Yeah, I'm going to throw something else in that when you actually do engage with somebody, Use your ears. Start listening to what they're saying. I, I had the most unbelievable call uh, a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, I was in, in Atlanta. I caught COVID on, uh, somewhere on that trip. And um, I, I think I got back on a Friday and Tuesday night. I'm, I'm, I wasn't feeling horrible, but I wasn't feeling great. You know, low grade fever, achy joints, stuff like that. So it wasn't like I was miserable, but I had just sat down to dinner. I had cooked myself a dinner. I, I just put the plate on the table. I was about to put the first forkful in my mouth. I've got, I think, South Park on the TV. I'm just about to watch an episode that I hadn't seen. And the phone rings. I'm like, I'm like you, Rich. I'm going to pick up the phone because you, ne you never know what it is. It could be something interesting. could be a business opportunity. It could be anything. And it turned out to be a guy who had an appointment to speak with me the next day to sell me something for one of my clients. And he said, is this a good time to talk? I said, as a matter of fact, it's not. I've got COVID and I just sat down to dinner. And his response was, this will only take a minute. I, I, I was really stunned and I, I gave him about 20 seconds. I said, I'm not sure that you heard me. I just told you I'm suffering from COVID and I just sat down to dinner. He goes, I'm almost done. I said, no, you actually are done. And if you think I'm getting on the phone with you tomorrow to talk about your product, You've lost it. I'm not going to be there. So use your ears, salespeople uh, and, and marketers. I think they need to use their ears, too, because if you're not listening to what your prospect is really your, your client really needs and what their market's looking for, you're missing the boat. Mm -hmm. um, can we talk I can't remember. About oh, go ahead, Rich. I can't remember which salesperson it is who I have a relationship with always begins the call with. Is this still a good time to talk? It's so respectful. It's so it's such a perfect way to open, and always the answer is yes. We scheduled it, but what a great opening! See, I actually don't do that because I, I, there's almost never a good time to talk. If this guy had just started, I might have had a brief conversation with him, or I might have interrupted him and said, "Hey, this is not a good time," because that's what I believe. If it's not a good time, people will let you know. But when he comes out and asks me, "Is this a good time?" and I say, "No, I'm sick and eating," to continue on, it was it was beyond stupidity. Um, I want to talk just a little bit about, oh, I'm looking at the clock. I, I think I need to make these four hours because these are always such great discussions. Uh, um, 
content. I, I like content marketing. Uh, you know, it, I'd rather post regularly and uh, uh, then pick up a phone and cold call anytime. Now, I still believe that uh, cold calling is one of the most effective ways to fill up your calendar with appointments if you know how to do it. Well, I just don't want to do it myself. What about reusing the same content on multiple platforms? Is that good, bad? How, how do we handle that, Beth? So it's, it's an interesting question. I get it a lot. I'm sure Mitch does as well. For me, each platform has its own personality. So I believe that there are things that you can share sometimes on multiple platforms, but not always. So for instance, you're not going to take a tweet and put that on um, LinkedIn with, with the hashtags in between what you're saying. And you're not going to take an Instagram post and put that on LinkedIn, for instance. But there are times where I believe you can use similar or the same content depending on what it is. So it's really just thinking about it before you do it. It's not a mass blast of the same thing to everybody. Got it. Mitch? So um, it's this is a problem of the ages because you know we do analysis and let's say a client has four channels, right? Facebook, although they dropped $200 billion, which is another issue. Uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, Pinterest, whatever. TikTok. And you have content. You have content development to make it efficient you really want to develop one content but rewrite it for each platform you know beth is correct there's a different environment a different accepted norm on each channel even though linkedin and facebook are sort of headed down the same path unfortunately because uh, linkedin has become kind of swampy and twitter is just a total swamp unless you navigate it really well and it drives horrible traffic so what we do is we have a basic content strategy that we have we follow it we create content ahead of time, and then we repurpose it for each channel. We may publish the same content post, but it'll be rewritten. And by the way, each channel has its own hashtag strategy, which you have to be cognizant of. You can't use the same. So uh, each one has its own. Like we actually may change images for Instagram because Instagram is a total visual medium. You know, you have to have sterling, beautiful stuff. So um each you can use the same content, but you have to be cognizant of the environment with which you're using it in, and rewrite it for that environment. Got it, Rich. What what about reusing the same content, not on multiple platforms, but on the same? If if I posted something a year ago, can I use it again or two years or whatever? Can you post the same thing over and over? It's funny. I was talking to a sales pro just last night who had said that it probably has a two year lifespan, and I went back and I told my my office manager this, and and by the way, shamefully admitting here, uh, I don't do my social media for my business. My office manager does. She's a strategist. She thinks through it and she she plans carefully and does a good job with engaging an audience. That's one of the parts of the business that I, I step away from. Just to go back, though, by the way, to what people were talking about before LinkedIn reviews, I have found it's more valuable for us to get Google reviews. And I'm proud to say we have 162 reviews. We are Almost all five star, the one three star said, great class, got so much out of it, three stars. And I'm, I'm looking at it going, um, okay, what could I have paid you to give us a five? Uh, but so, you know, reviews I think are important. Don't forget about Google. I think that is, that's where people find us. That's how I got a, a, a business in my own town here in Port Washington, uh, a center for, for the deaf blind. 
to reach out to us and say, we're, we're interested in you. I got a nursery here in Long Island reaching out. They found us. So that stuff all helps gain traction. And Mitch probably would uh, best be able to speak on how that works. Can you just said something interesting, which has been on my mind for a while. So you've got somebody in your organization who does your social outreach. I do all mine myself. Can, can we outsource that to an organization like yours, Mitch? Could, could somebody, I don't know if you actually do that, but I know there are companies that will handle your social for you. To me, I, I can't imagine anybody speaking in my voice exactly, but can that be done, Mitch? Yeah, of course, we do it all the time. You do? Yeah, we offer full, full, uh, full implementation from content creation strategy to implementation, community management, uh, using the social media tech. That's what we do. The whole thing is, is that, um, in my opinion, social media is best when it's done internally in a company. And I know that's against what I'm selling. But the plain fact of the matter is no one can be faster and responsive and understanding than the company itself. However, it becomes a time and resource issue. The expertise to do social media correctly usually does not reside within the company. It's actually because of the changes in the algorithms and the platform changes which seem to happen daily. I mean, last year, Google changed their algorithms over 500 times. Hello? <laughs> so, um, you know, generally speaking, uh, companies don't have that in-house talent. So what happens is um, we, we actually, from a cultural and informational standpoint, establish an expertise liaison within the company we're doing and then review their entire uh, copy content structure past and and discuss the, the future, the present, the business goals. And from that, we're actually able to create great content um, that our clients are very pleased with. The point is, is that it's not just about creating content. It's about using the uh, technology that's available within social channel, which, by the way, is very deep and it's all free. F-R-E-E. -E. So, um, you know, not to take advantage of it is is actually, you know, I mean, there are people out there that just post their posters and it works for a certain level of company, usually a small business that doesn't understand the depth and breadth of a true social media program can give you. So uh, those people that just post, you know, fine, but you're not getting anything out of it. And it's no surprise that I've gotten people come back to me say, after six months say, you know, it's not working. Hmm. I wonder why, you know, so, um, uh, the key you know, thing you said, Mitch? I'm sorry. The key thing that you're saying is that the difference between strategy and implementation. So that's well, where I think a lot of businesses get mm -hmm. stuck because they find somebody who's good at implementing, but not strategy. So if they yeah, speak most with businesses don't have a strategy, yep. but even implementing, uh, you could be a great poster, but you're still not, not touching the, uh, you know, you're, you're touching just one, two percent of what's available through the social channels, which yeah, we're, um, we're, we're almost out of time. I want to ask one more quick small. question. Uh, how important is it to take into account that so many people are reading your social stuff on mobile? And do we have to do we how do, do we have to take that into account and how do we oh, do that? Are you kidding me? The whole world is mobile. Oh my gosh! I, you know all the websites we manage across the websites over the past two years. The increase in mobile devices, not only the phone but the iPad, has increased dramatically. So everything has to be available on the phone. I see responses from 
from camp social campaigns. Most of it is through the mobile applications for each social channel. So critical. Got it. Uh, I as I often say, I could talk to you guys all day, but we are out of time. Rich, would you like to let people know how you, they can get in touch with you in case they're interested in speaking with you and taking some of your courses? Sure. Improvingcommunications.com. If you're in Europe, Middle East, or Africa, it's improvingcommunications.co.uk and improvingcommunications.ie. And we're at 516-317-2900 here in the U.S. Thank you. Beth? Sure. Beth at BethGranger.com. You can find me on LinkedIn, of course, and 516-662-1202. Mr. T? That's 631-842-4600. Again, that's 631. So you can hit me up on LinkedIn. I'm all the social channels. Uh, easy to find. I'm not hiding from anybody. Want to give out a phone me. number? Want to give out a phone number or website? Oh, for me, it's cgtmarketingllc.com. Phone number 631-842-4600. Jeff, as I said to you last night, thank you so much for putting this great content out for our community. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. To say, I have to say, I don't remember who put up the poll. It might have been you, Rich, who a while who put up a poll. If you take Jeff Goldberg, if you go out to dinner with Jeff Goldberg, who should pay and a lot of people said uh, you should, and Rich, you, you could not have grabbed the check quicker last night. If, if I would, if I had known I could get so many free dinners, I probably would have founded the Sales Pro Network a long time ago. Thank you very much. <laughs> that was very kind of you. Uh, and you, you always have interesting places to eat. Uh, and maybe next time I will be willing to go to Queens. Beth, Rich, Mitch, thank you guys so much for adding amazing value to the Sales Pro Network. I love you all. And as I end all of these Sales Pro Network, please remember. Sales is a game of making things happen. Get out there and make sales happen. If you're in the path of a storm, stay safe, stay warm. Have a great weekend, everyone. Bye now.